to be praised. How many of y'all love the Lord today? How many of you came to, to fight by the power of God the enemy of your soul? That's the only way he's going to be defeated is if you come here and just give yourself to God and watch the power of God do a work in our lives. Amen. It's good to see everybody here in the house of the Lord. Praise God. Uh, this next Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we finally got the videos in, those 15 videos on the Prophecy Series, 1998 Prophecy Series. The first one is, Did NASA See Heaven? So you are not going to want to miss these. I've already watched the first one, and it is awesome. We are in the last days, church. And we've known that, but I tell you what, when you see more and more stuff coming out, it's showing that Jesus Christ is soon to come. We live in exciting times. If you know the Lord Jesus, you're living in exciting times. So next week, we're going to be seeing that first video, and uh, that'll be at 6 o'clock. Amen. Praise the Lord. Remember, no, no service tonight. We'll be out of town tonight with some of the singles. Okay, if you'll turn with me in the book of Leviticus. Praise the Lord. And I know that the ladies had a wonderful meeting last, yesterday, didn't y'all? Everybody say amen if you did. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I got an opportunity to listen to the tapes, the messages, and they were awesome. I was blessed by all of your teaching and testimonies and everything from yesterday. Amen. Praise God. There's nothing like coming to the house of God and worshiping the Lord. I mean, you can be real low, but you come to the house of God and just somehow can give yourself to the Lord. We know that he is true, his word is true, and he is alive, and he comes and gives us strength today. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 8, please, in the word of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Good to have our guests with us this morning. All of you, amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. All right, amen, hallelujah. Well, getting exciting in the word of the Lord uh, talked about the sweet saber offerings non-sweet saber offerings in the last few weeks now we're going to talk about the priest say holy priest holy priest say it again holy priest, holy priest. amen you know brother Eloy is testifying there about uh, somebody wanting to cut your head off <laughs> did you say that's the first time you actually gone out with with some group and try to hand out tracks yeah you witness yeah right Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, you still have your head on your shoulders. Uh, I believe that guy had a spirit. You fight against spirits. You don't fight against flesh and blood. Uh, but at least you're still alive today. I've got a newsletter from the Truth Seekers that show these three men. Uh, you know, the Muslim group, uh, Middle East Muslims, the Arabs and stuff, they're really, they really hate Christians. They hate Jews. And... Uh, I've got a picture here of this particular, this Muslim right here, holding the head of one man. He, they they uh, cut three Christians' head, heads off, and this is in a, a Serbian uh, area. The three Serbian Christians were beheaded, not just one. And he's got the pictures of that right there. Thank God that's not happening in the United States of America yet. But they had enough of walk with God. And that's pretty, I know it's pretty grotesque, but it's still happening. And we need to pray for these people because they are being persecuted. They are losing their life for Jesus Christ. They are being beheaded. Now, isn't it amazing that these things are coming out right now because in the, end, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that that's going to happen to the world when they don't take the mark of the beast. 
Okay, it's a Muslim, it's a Muslim uh, motivated spirit that's going to be doing that in the end times. So we need to pray for these people and thank God that we live in America right now, that we have freedom right now, that we're not being persecuted physically for our faith. We're, we are in a spiritual battle. We're in a tremendous spiritual battle. Uh, because of America is just we've got so much in America and we fight a different battle altogether than brother and sister Edmonds does or these people over in the Serbian area we fight a totally different battle it's a, it's a spiritual battle to be faithful and committed to the Lord amen praise the Lord the Bible says Leviticus chapter 8 and verse 1 the Lord spake unto Moses saying take Aaron and his sons with him and the garments and the anointing oil and a bullock for the sin offering and two rams and a basket of unleavened bread Gather thou all the congregation together unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And the assembly was gathered together unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Moses said unto the congregation, This is the thing which the Lord commanded to be done. Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. He put upon him the coat and girded him with the girdle, clothed him with the robe and put the ephod upon him. He girded him with the curious girdle of, of the ephod and bound it unto him wherewith. And he put the breastplate upon him also. He put in the breastplate the Urim and Thummim. Uh, go down to verse 12. He poured of the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him. Moses brought Aaron's sons and put coats upon them and girded them with girdles and put bonnets upon them as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 23. Uh, the Bible says he, sl he slays the, uh, the ram. Uh, Moses took of the blood of it, put it on upon the tip of Aaron's right ear, upon the thumb of his right hand, upon the great toe of his right foot. He brought Aaron's sons, and Moses put the blood upon the tip of their right ear, and upon the thumbs of their right hands, upon the great toes of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood upon the altar uh, round about. Amen. Now, Chapter 9 also is a continuation of this consecration of the priesthood. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, and in verse 14. Hebrews 12 and verse 14. Hallelujah. I believe today that God's going to give us, um, if nothing uh, else, maybe nothing new that we've not already heard so far as the first part of my message, but a to remind us of some things. Uh, early this morning, I got uh, reminded of some things I'm going to share with you today. But Hebrews 12 and verse 14, it says this, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, turn over to 1 Peter 2, and in verse 9. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, so that you'll understand that what we're studying today is just not an isolated passage that doesn't have anything to do with us. 1 Peter chapter 2, and in verse 9, the Bible says this, But ye, talking about the church, are a chosen generation. A chosen generation. Say chosen. chosen. Oh, that's so important. You've you got to hear that word. Say it with me again. Chosen. 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 Very important. Very important. 
You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Say royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. Okay, so we are a priest. Now, that's hard for us to grasp, really, I think in America especially, that we are a priesthood. That when we came to church this morning, that we are priests unto God. Okay, if you're a born-again believer, say, I'm a priest. And I'm going to explain to you what that means, okay, for you. The Bible says we are royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Again, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a peculiar people. Pray with me if you would please. Dear God, we come before your throne right now. We ask God that your word would go forth, that it would touch our lives, it would impact our lives, it would challenge us, God, to be the people that we need to be. We thank you, Lord, that by your grace and because you have chosen us today, Lord, that we come before you today as priests, a royal priesthood, a part of the family of God, a part of the same family that Paul was a part of, John the Baptist is a part of, John is a part of, Peter is a part of, all these great apostles, Lord. We have a heritage that we are a part of today. We thank you, God, for it. In Jesus' name, everybody say in Jesus' name. Before you sit down, lift your hands and worship God and praise Him. Praise Him that the devil is defeated in your lives, that there is no demon power that can defeat you. There is nothing that can come against you that can destroy you. Thank the Lord for his victory right now. In Jesus' name, everybody say, in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Woo, glory to God. First thing you want to notice on this uh, slide is this. The Bible says we had in this particular ark right here, we had the showbread here we had the ark of the the uh the tables of stone they were placed in the ark this is the covenant place in the ark of covenant this right here is very important right there how many y'all know what that is a little bitty stick it's a little bitty rod and it's got leaves on it and it's got blossoms on it and it's got fruit on it. it's got almonds on it it's aaron's rod that budded okay so that when you study the word of the Lord, the Bible says, remember we've already preached to you about how that uh, some men tried to rebel against Aaron being the priest and his sons being the priest, thinking that they had the right to be the priest. Remember that? When we preached on the subject of hell. Y'all remember that? All right. Well, the Bible says shortly thereafter, God says all the princes of each tribe were to take their rods, which is a symbol of authority. Say authority. Symbol of authority. And they were to walk in there and place them before God's throne or the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Bible tells us what happened. That Aaron's rod began to supernaturally resurrect. Because this is a stick. It's not in the ground. It's something that's cut off. It's something that was dead in and of itself. God is going to show who has the authority to be his priest. It is the one that the rod begins to blossom putting forth fruit, uh, putting forth the flowers, putting forth the leaves on it. It walks out there and it's a resurrected tree. It's a resurrected limb. It's a resurrected branch. And it's God showing 
that Aaron and his sons have the authority to be the priests of God and not anybody else of any other tribe, okay? So that you had the Levites, which was the tribe of Israel, but only from the house of Aaron uh, and his sons were the priests, okay? And Aaron was the first high priest unto God. Now, we're talking about, we've already talked about the holy offerings. We're going to talk about the holy priesthood today. Are you a priest? So that everything we study today has to do with you and me. We are on resurrection ground when we study the priesthood. Okay? How many of y'all believe that? How many of you believe that you need to be a holy priesthood? A holy pe people, a holy nation. Number one, this right here shows us that Aaron did not choose himself. He was chosen by God. Say chosen. He was chosen by God. He did not choose himself. You cannot be a priest unto God because you want to be. You have to be a son of the high priest. And our high priest is who? It's Jesus Christ. You have to be a son of the high priest. You have to be born again in order to be a priest unto God. Therefore, you are not chosen. And it didn't matter how, you know, if somebody else was another tribe, another man, another leader. It didn't make any difference if they were more godly than Aaron or more godly than the sons of Aaron. They could not be the priest because they were not chosen. Are you here? You have to be chosen by God. You have to be born to the kingdom of God. And you have to also not only be chosen and be born again, but your service is chosen by God. You cannot choose your own service. God has to call you into that ministry. Do you understand that? It doesn't matter if you're more godly than the pastor. If you haven't been called into that office, you can't fill that office. It doesn't matter if you've got the most money in the church, or you are the wealthiest individual in the body or the assembly. Doesn't make any difference. You must be chosen for that office. Are you here? Okay, do y'all understand that so far? Now, first of all, we've got to be born again to, to start out with in order to be a priest unto God. You're not a priest unto God if you're not born again, okay? If you're not a son of the high priest, Jesus Christ. Now, so that we must be born again. But then once we are born again, we must walk holy before the Lord. I'll show you here his, the way he was dressed. All right, here he is. You see this, this priest here uh, ministering uh, before the Lord in the Holy of Holies. All right. Now the Bible tells us, if you'll notice, he's got a little white hat on the top of his head. He's got a white coat upon his body. He's got a linen, he's got linen, little linen pants that go down to about the knee. But then there's a coat, a long coat that's on top of it. Then he's got a girdle of scarlet blue and purple that is around his midsection, which I don't think you can see there. But he's got that hat on. So that is the, the clothing of the priest. So not only is it those that are sons of Aaron, those that are born that have the authority to be the priest, 
but they also have white linen all over them, which is a picture, picture of righteousness. It is a picture of holiness. So that number one, we as the priest of God have a righteousness that has been given to us. And it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ based on what He's done for us. He has given us that righteousness. But then we have our own righteousness. It's called the righteousness of the righteousnesses of the saints that we um, reveal God by. Are you with me? Okay? So that we must live holy. Once we are the children of God, we must walk in holiness. We must have these garments of righteousnesses upon our lives. Now I'll explain something to you. Um, you are not trying to save yourself by your holiness. Do you understand that? Then what is holiness all about then? Holiness is you revealing God in your life. Now listen very carefully. And it is demonstrating that you have saving faith. You got to hear that. You cannot claim to be a born again child of God, a son and daughter of God, and not have works that prove it. So that your holiness demonstrates that your faith is a saving faith. Do you understand that? So that whenever James talks about faith, he says, faith without works is dead being alone. So that I can, you can look at my life and I can look at your life and I can know if you've really got saving faith or not. How? Not because you tell me you do but by the way that you live holy before God reveals that you are saved because true saving faith produces righteousness true saving faith produces obedience to the Word of God true saving faith produces a holiness are you here it is the evidence, it is the fruit that you have a genuine faith. If you don't have righteousness and you don't have holiness and you don't have obedience, then you do not have the kind of faith that will save you. Hallelujah. And I thank God for that because God gave me a revelation. And He always has to give me a revelation uh, about being born again and a child of God and how my walk with God uh, fits into the picture. Because, you know, people are always on the garden trying not to work for their salvation. Well, just don't worry about that anymore. Because your holiness is showing that you've got real genuine faith. Hallelujah. Because faith without works is dead being alone. But you can also have dead faith, which is trying to work your way to heaven. If you are trying to work your way to heaven by the works of the law, you will not be saved. Because you've got a sin nature. You must be born again into the family of God. You must be a son of God. You must be chosen by God. Are you here? Okay. So that you can't get the horse before the cart. You can't try to get good and then get God. You've got to get God and then get good. And your goodness demonstrates that something has happened in your life. Your holiness, your garments of righteousness are declaring to the world that you really got something and it's salvation. It is a living faith and it is a saving faith. 
you, you got to hear me on this. Now, the other Wednesday night, I, I want to help you today because I don't want you to leave this church with a false sense of hope. I want to help you a little bit and what, give you understanding about what we believe. Okay? Are you here? I don't want you to have a false sense of security and walk out of this church this morning thinking that just because a person professes to know the Lord that they're saved. That is not what I was trying to teach you Wednesday night. Are you here? The Bible says here that the priest is anointed by God. He has a holy anointing upon him. The blood is applied to him. Right? He is washed, the scripture says. And we'll get into this. So he's washed, he, the blood's been applied, and he is anointed. And therefore he is consecrated into the priesthood. Now, the Bible says that you must be born again of the water and the spirit, Jesus said, or you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And we are a kingdom of priests. So in order to get into the kingdom of priests, you've got to be born again of the water and the Spirit. Do you understand that? Now listen. So that it is more than just professing that you are saved. It is genuinely being born again and living the, that way. Are you here? So that if a person out there who is living totally committed and dedicated to God. Or do you understand this? If they are, there's some of them out there living more dedicated than us. And I told y'all that Wednesday. If they've got a real, genuine, saving faith, when you show them Acts 2.38 and you show them John 3, they will believe it and obey it. If they don't have a genuine, saving faith, all right, and it's just mere profession, when you show them the Word of God, they won't obey it. Do you see the difference? An example of that is Apollos. He knew God to a point. All right, he was fervent in the Spirit. Uh, he preached the Scriptures, the Bible says. He was bold, but he knew only the baptism of John. Aquila and Priscilla took him aside and showed him the way of God more perfectly. What did he do? He believed it. All right? Cornelius, in Acts chapter 10, the Bible says that he was a devout man. He gave alms to the poor. He prayed and he fasted. Do you hear that? He was a sincere, devout, praying, giving man, but he was lost. But God looked at his heart and said, that man's got the kind of faith that'll believe my word. So he sent an angel to Cornelius, and Cornelius was told by the angel to send for one named Simon. He will tell you words whereby you and your house shall be saved. That means he wasn't saved. He had to hear the message, and then he would become saved. And read Acts 10, 43-48, and find out that the Bible says, Peter preached to them, repent and be baptized and be filled with the Holy Ghost. So that you can be a devout person, you can be a giving person, you can be a praying person, you can be a fasting person, you can be a religious person, but until you hear the message, you are not saved. But if you've got the kind of faith that's a saving faith, you will demonstrate that faith by obeying the Word of God and the plan of salvation. Do you see that? 
Now, if God has some way um, that he has not showed us in the scripture of saving people by another way, then let's just look at it this way, uh, not limiting the atonement. That somehow God has in his plan these people that are out there that have a religious experience that know him to a point or committed to him to a point, And if they had an opportunity to be baptized in Jesus' name, they would jump in the water. And if they had an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to be anointed, they would be filled with the Holy Ghost. But they haven't heard the message, and they never had the opportunity. You hear, are you here? But they're living with everything they know, the things that they do know, and they die. Well, it's possible that God's got a way for them. Are you here? But if He does, that's His prerogative and not mine. I can't go around and give people a false hope and a false sense of security and tell them that they don't need the full gospel or the full truth or the full message. Come on, somebody. I don't have that right. You don't have that right. That's God's prerogative. No human being has the right to guarantee anybody heaven. I cannot guarantee you heaven. You cannot guarantee me heaven. You hear me? Nor does any human being have the right to condemn anybody to hell. That is God's prerogatives. So that what the word of the Lord says concerning the new birth, we've got to preach that message and leave all the rest of, you know, what's going to happen to these people in the hands of God. For you and me, we know the truth and we must walk in the truth and we must believe it because it is demonstrating that we've got a real saving kind of faith. Are you here? And if God, yeah, okay, I'm just going to stop right there. Do you understand me today? So that the Bible said these priests were chosen by God, but they were born into the family of God. They were anointed by the Spirit, the blood was applied, and they were washed. Are you here? Okay. So if you wonder what I believe, I believe Acts 2.38, and I believe it's a necessity. I believe it is an absolute necessity. And when I preached... And I try to tell people how to be born again and get into the kingdom of God. I preach Acts 2.30. I preach John 3. I preach that message to people. Because that's the only message I know that's in the Bible. That'll get you there. I believe that when you get the Holy Ghost, you will speak in tongues. I believe that is the evidence that you've been filled with the Spirit of God. You know, that's all I can tell you. We are limited to the Word of God. And then people say, well, God is not fair then. Yes, He is fair. He is fair. He, he didn't, we didn't deserve to be saved to begin with. It's by His grace that He gave a message and a way to be saved. He's a fair God. He gave us the way by which we can be saved. Listen to me. And if He gave, by His grace gave us the message, then that means we've got to get to heaven on His terms and not mine. And no matter how sympathetic I want to be with people and all these things, I cannot go around the word of the Lord God. 
I have to preach the word of the Lord and leave all these people that are getting their heads cut off, that are not baptized in Jesus' name and haven't spoken in tongues, have to leave those in the hands of God. But as for me in my house, I must preach the word of the Lord and be silent where God is silent and speak that. When God speaks, speak that. So please don't walk out of here with a false sense of hope. Please don't do that. You've got family members, you've got friends, you can't take a chance on and just hope to God they make it. You've got to preach to them, you've got to tell them the truth if they hate you for it. My family will hear it. They know, they hear it from me. And they go to church every Sunday. But I can't take a chance and just say, well, I hope they make it. And just because I'm sympathetic to them. You've got to be born into the family of God. And the Bible gives you the plan. It's according to His terms. Somebody say amen. amen. Do you understand that? And I didn't get off my subject. I'm talking about these people had to be born. They had to be sons of Aaron, the high priest, in order to be a priest. And they had to be anointed. They had to be washed. They had to have the blood applied to them. Aren't you glad you can find your salvation in the Old Testament? So that I'm washed, baptized, Titus 3, 5. I'm washed by the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. Is that correct? Anyway, it's close. <laughs> Titus 3, 5, turn over there and read it sometime. I get going, I do real good when I'm not up here. I can quote them okay, but when I get up here, I just forget everything. <laughs> That's all right, Titus 3, 5. We are saved by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Are you here? So the Bible tells me that. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 tells me, Such were some of you, but you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You can't find another way of salvation in the Word of God other than what we preach. And as how where all these other people fit, God has to take care of that. I mean, that would be all right with me if I got to heaven and saw everybody there. Are you here? He's a gracious, He's a merciful God. But you cannot be saved aside from truth. Do you hear me? God, listen, God does not give salvation apart from His Word. Are you here? That's why it had to be Aaron, and it had to be his sons, and they had to be born, and they had to go through this consecration process. It didn't matter how godly you were, or devoted you were, or how much you prayed, or how much you gave, or anything like that. It was a chosen thing by God. Yeah. So I feel like I had to clear that, clarify that for you today because I don't want you to go out of any service and think, well, everybody's okay now. <laughs> no way. we got a message that we've got to preach. Now, and if they're okay, God knows. Are you here? Let me just share this with you, and you're going to see this as we get into these videos. I've already preached to you about the bride of Christ. Not everybody that's baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost is going in the bride. It's going in the rapture. Do you know that? It is only faithful that are going in the rapture. You'll see that. I, there's, I, it's amazing. I preach that message to you, and then I turn right around, and on this video, this guy's talking about who's going to be in the bride and who's going to go in the rapture. No, listen to me. If you've got the kind of saving faith that's going to take you out of this world, that faith will cause you to be faithful. And they that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. They are holy, separated people, not sinless. No. I'm not talking about sinless. 
I'm talking about when you sin, you put it under blood and you get right with God real quick. And if you're tempted, you say, I can't give in to the temptation. I can't be conquered and go out into the world and be lost. Every one of us fail. Every one of us struggle. Every one of us have times when we don't make it where we should be. We're not at the highest level we should be. And we all know that. But we are striving for it. That's what makes the difference. Ooh, come on, somebody. Easy believism is not in the Word of God. <clears throat> okay? So that's the first thing I want to share with you is that saving faith is a work, is a faith that demonstrates works. It is a, a life that is holy. It is a life that is consecrated. It is a life that is righteous. And it is a life that is obedient to the Word of God. And it is, uh-oh. When I taught through, if you don't believe me, go through Romans 3, 4, and 5. And I went through the book of Romans and I taught and I had people stand up and ask me questions about, well, what about all these other people? And I gave them the answers. But I'm here to tell you right now, if, you're, if you think that you've got the kind of faith that's going to save you, you know what the Bible says? Look at Abraham's faith. He is the father of the faithful. He is the example of a faithful person. He was willing to give up his own son. That's how faithful and obedient he was to the word of God. He left a city when God told him to leave a city. He demonstrated his faith by his actions and his works. Are you here? So if you want to say, well, they got faith too. Do they have the kind of faith Abraham does? If they have the kind of faith Abraham does, they'll, they'll lay their son down on an altar. They'll obey the word of God and go anywhere he tells them to go. And that puts me under conviction because when I study the faith of Abraham and that's the saving kind of faith, I begin to examine myself and say, hey, am I faithful? Is my faith alive right now? I'm not talking about when I first got born again, but is my faith living right now or has it died? Mm. Uh-oh, come on, somebody. Well, I'm glad I got that off my chest. I, yeah. You know, I told you all the other day, when I get to heaven, God's going to straighten my theology out. Well, he straightened it out last night. <laughs> he straightened it out last night by help reminding me of some, some things. And, and it wasn't my intention to give you a false impression or a false hope or a false insecurity about people that aren't born again. That wasn't my, the reason for the message. But I... Come on. I've got to clarify what comes from this pulpit. So when you get around your religious friends, your religious family members, and they go to church more than you do, and they pray more than you do, and they give more than you do, and they're more devoted than you are, uh, then you've got to show them Acts 238. Because it doesn't matter how godly they are. It doesn't matter how wealthy they are. They've got to be chosen. And they've got to be born into the family of God. And if they've got the real kind of faith, I don't care who they are, it's a saving kind of faith. When you show them that message, they'll say, lead me to the water. I want the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. I got that done anyway. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all love the word of the Lord today. <clears throat> another thing I got to, another thing's bothering me. <laughs> you know this, this priest, they had 
when they got married, oh, oops, I'll let you leave now if you'd like. But when they got married, they had to get married to a virgin, a pure virgin. Are you here? They could not have a mixed marriage with an unbeliever out there. We are priests unto God. God commands us to not marry the unbeliever. There is no exception. There are no grounds that will allow you to get married to an unbeliever if you are a believer. You cannot mix seeds with the seed of the devil, which is the lost person, and the seed of the righteous. If you do, then God's judgment will come on you. You understand that? The Bible says in the last days there's going to be a large amount of unholy marriages. That's not just talking about people that are shacking up out there that haven't taken vows. That's talking about people that were born again and not born again, inter inter um, getting mixed marriage. Are you here? God says that's one of the signs of the last days. And the people of God, they are flirting with things that are dangerous. If a person gets through it, it's by the grace of God. And you need to lift your hands and worship God. And you need to praise God that His grace was good to you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 17, it, say, it tells us that you cannot be yoked together with an unbeliever. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Are you here? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Come on, man. God said he's got, they've got to be a pure virgin. <laughs> well, God, I fell in love with her. Well, the high priest walked to God and said, God, I fell in love with her. Well, she's a Moabite. She's not in the kingdom of God. And he's not talking racially. He's talking spiritually and religiously. Are you here? Well, God, I still love her. Well, you can't marry her. Uh-oh. <clears throat> we are living in last days. I hear people all the time talk, well, I had a vision from God that he's supposed to be mine. He's not even born again. You didn't hear from God. You ate pizza, and you've been thinking about him so much, and you're so much in love with him that you dreamed about him because you love him. And you're infatuated with God didn't give you no vision and tell you to go get married to an unbeliever. You are violating and contradicting the word of the Lord. <laughs> but, but, but we love each other and it's going to be wonderful. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm married to a born-again believer and you ask her if it's wonderful. <laughs> She's married to a pastor and ask her if it's wonderful all the time. And we both got God. What are you going to do when you're out there in the world? One of them's got God and the other one don't have God. One wants to go to the bars and party. And you want to go to church and praise. Everything, yeah, everything's going to be all right. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't give me that. You're in disobedience to the word of God. Do you want to make it? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to go in the rapture? Praise the Lord. Now, once they get born again, if, if it's God's will, no problem. <clears throat> no problem. Are you here?
man, I, I just... But you know what the Bible says, the new generation? You know what Balaam did? He tricked them. He tricked that new generation to have relationships with the Moabite women. And when he did that, God had to, had to judge them. He had to judge them. Are you here? Come on. But everybody thinks they're getting away with everything these days. It's not true. Somebody say, a pure virgin. Glory to God. Put your hands together, clap them unto the Lord. Thank God for His Word. <clears throat> Another thing, that priest right there could not have a deformity in his body. He could not be physically deformed and be in the priesthood. He's a type of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not have imperfection in him. He did not have deformities in his body. Somebody say amen. Now, when I get over to the latter part of the book of Leviticus, I'm going to talk about uh, crooked back dwarfs and all kinds of stuff. And I'm going to explain to you how that all is a picture of the church. Okay? But they couldn't have these deformities in their body. They were the priest of God. Oh. And when we get over there, you're going to see how, how if you walk with God and you live holy before God, there's a lot of things God don't accept. Are you here? Okay. Man, I got a long ways to go. I got about three hour message to preach to you today. But I'll probably condense it into an hour and a half. So if you'll think fast, I'll, I'll preach fast. All right, I just got it through the first part, the chosen part, where we have the, we're on resurrection ground, people. We're born again. We've got the Spirit of God in us. We're alive unto God. We're not just people walking around thinking that we are the priests. I don't care if you wear your collar backwards or whatever you do. You've got to be called. Somebody say, praise the Lord. All right, I'm going to preach to you. I'm having fun. <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun right now. Because I love the truth. I love the Word of God. Now, let's, some of the duties. You, if you want to write these down, you can. Let me just flip over here real quick. This is the, this is the high priest right here. We're not going to really talk a whole lot about him. But Jesus Christ, the high priest, we, if you're a, a part of the family of God, then you're a priest under him. Do you get that? Everybody say, I'm a priest. Uh-oh. So that which applied to them has a spiritual application for us. Can't just throw the Old Testament away because we're living in New Testament times. First thing they had to do, the first duty they had to do was that they ministered at the altar. Let me see. No, that was the ark. They ministered at the altar of incense, which is what? It's a type of prayer. It's a type of worship. It's just in front of the veil. Behind the veil is who? It's God. He's sitting on the throne. So that the, the priest, not the high priest, but the priest could go into the holy place. And of course, the high priest could too. But the priest could go into the holy place and they would offer worship to God. They would offer incense to God. So the first thing that you and I do as a priest is when we come into the house of God, we worship the Lord. We praise Him. We magnify Him. We send up some incense before His throne. And when you send praise up and prayer up, it's like floating into the heavens. And God is receiving that. When, we, when you come to the house of God, before you walk into the church, we need to think, I'm a priest. I've got to do something. I have to minister to the Lord. I have to bring a sacrifice of praise. I have to worship God. I have to pray unto the Lord. That's one of my duties. But I don't, he, you know, can you imagine a priest getting up? I just don't feel like it today. Well, you've got to go through with it. You've got to go through with it. 
Some of us came to church today, we didn't feel real, real, you know, like we were on the mountaintop, right? But it's awesome when you start worshiping God, how that He comes and gives you strength. Now, a sinner needs a sacrifice, but a saint needs strength. Are you here? Oh. Amen? Somebody say worship. It's your duty. But it's what you get to. Don't y'all love to worship the Lord? Man, I got to fly. They went into the tabernacle. And they lit the golden candlestick. And they trimmed the golden candlestick. Now, why did they trim the golden candlestick? Does anybody know? I mean, you got the oil in the golden candlestick, and you got these little wicks on the top of that oil, and they lit those wicks, and they burnt down, so they have to go and cut those wicks, right? Then they'd have to relight them. They trimmed the lamps, and they'd, they'd light, relight them. Because the wick that is burnt is a type of past service. So that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, but we see that we are also called the light of the world. So our past service, we were a bright light for the Lord. When y'all witnessed, you were a bright light for the Lord. You were shining brightly in the world. Yeah. When you taught a Bible study last week, you were a bright light in the world, shining. You kept the light burning. But you see what you have to do with the past that you did, the past services, you got to cut it off. you got to trim it. Or the, no, let me say this. The Lord trims it. <laughs> He's the high priest. He's the priest. He trims it off. And you know what they do? They take those wicks and they put them in a gold box. A little snuff box. Not the kind you dip, but you know. And they would keep those, those wicks that had been used up, that had been trimmed by the priest in a place. Yeah. And why did they have to trim them? Because the past service couldn't put forth a bright light. If you didn't trim it, it just said there in smoke. You can't live on past service and past victories. God's going to trim you. He's going to cut your wick off. And it doesn't feel too good when God's cutting on you and trimming you and all of this kind of stuff. But he's the high priest. You know why he's doing that? He doesn't want you to just be smoking. He wants you to be putting forth a beautiful, brilliant light. And the only way you're going to be putting forth a light is if God has cut your past service off and relit your candle. Relit your lamp. Are you here? But remember this, that your past service is in his box. And he don't forget it. And the Lord our high priest said, here's the box of your service. All the times I trimmed you and cut you. Hallelujah. So you can shine brightly in the world. So more souls could be one. Hundreds and thousands of souls could be one. I had to cut on you and trim you. One thing I enjoyed about that man, he never, he, yeah, he talked about the past, but past victories. But he didn't live in the past. He's always reaching for the future. I go through this. Y'all pray for me. I go through this every once in a while. I miss him real bad. And I have to call. I feel like calling y'all sometimes and just telling you I miss him. I just want to talk to you about him. You know? But today he's in heaven. And a lot of wicks have been cut because he was willing to be trimmed. 
And you've got to be willing to be trimmed and worked on. And when you're smoking and you see it feels like the fire's going out and the flame's not burning anymore, the high priest's going to come and trim on you a little bit and trim on you a little bit, work on you here and work on you there. And then relight your lampstand. You can't live on past victories. You can't live on last week's services. You can't live on the last week's worship and speaking in tongues. You listen to me. If you haven't spoken in tongues in a week, oh, you need to get a hold of the light of God and get relit because cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them. And you've got to keep the light burning. You've got to keep speaking in tongues because if you don't, you'll lose your strength, you'll lose your power, and you'll be a smoke in the world and not a flame of fire. See, see, speaking in tongues is not just to make us feel good. Speaking in tongues is worship unto God. Woo, glory, I feel good. Thank you, Jesus. My, my, how y'all getting blessed? <laughs> I think some of y'all are getting convicted. I don't have anything personally against anybody here. Are you here? I'm preaching the word of God to you today. I thank God for His grace, what He's doing in our lives. I see the growth in our lives. But it's God. He's going to trim you. and He's going to work on you. Thank God for it. That was part of the work of the high priest. They had, another thing they had to do is they had to go clear, uh, get the ashes. <clears throat> clear the ashes away. Now you get dirty when you're clearing ashes away. But that was part of the sacrifices. And they had to get rid of the ashes and clean them up for another sacrifice. All right? Somebody say amen. Whew. Goodness, goodness, goodness. They had to change the showbread. What did the showbread? The showbread was God's provision and they had to change it on a weekly basis but you know what they did with the showbread that was on there before they took it and they ate it and it was symbolic of God's provision how many of y'all are partaking as a priest of God today are partaking of the provision of God how many of y'all came in here and needed strength and all of a sudden boom God's provision the bread of life comes to you and you're strong again you are a partaker of the manna of God. Jesus is our manna. He is our showbread. He is the bread of presence. He is the pierced bread of God. We as priests are feeding upon him today. I live by Jesus. Not enough. Not enough though. That's why I get weak sometimes. Say amen. Keep the fire burning on the altar of sacrifice. Another thing they had to do. They had to burn a sacrifice, the early morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice. The more I study this, some things are a little bit, I don't know, I don't know the timings on them. But some say 6 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock at evening. Others say 9 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the evening. Well, Jesus died at 3 o'clock, so that sounds correct to me. 9 o'clock, the Bible says they were praying in the book of Acts chapter 3, the time of the morning sacrifice. Are you here? So the time, I don't know, I'm not really sure about the time, but I know it was a morning and an evening sacrifice, so it burned continually 24 hours a day. That means this, as priests, we've got to keep the fire of God burning in our lives 24 hours a day. And the devil wants to come to us, and he wants to tell us, well, you're okay. You just had a bad week, you had a bad two weeks, you had a bad month, it's all right. Somehow... I've got to get the fire burning again. If you've got a little flicker. <clears throat> Amen. 
you're a smoking flask and a bruised wick, God is able to take you and get the fire burning again. Come on. If you're bruised, He's able to heal bruises. He's the only one that can do that. But you got to keep the fire burning continually on the altar of God. It is a sign that you are committed to God. When you live holy before the Lord, you are showing the world that the smoke that's going up of the burnt sacrifice is your commitment to God. And you're on fire. You're on fire. You're on fire. You're not lukewarm like Laodicea church. You're the church of the living God. And you're on fire. But you got to keep it burning. They participated in the offerings. They took the blood and they sprinkled it. High priest on the Day of Atonement in the Holy of Holies. The priest themselves uh, in the holy place. On those articles there, they were in the holy place. They sprinkled the blood there. They, spr- they pour the blood out at the foot of the altars and sprinkle the blood in certain places. And they did certain things with <clears throat> particular offerings that the people were offering unto God and killing themselves. Somebody say Amen. And sometimes the priests would kill the offerings for the people on particular special occasions and festivals. But they were involved in the offerings. Are you here? The priests in the holy place, only the high priests on the Day of Atonement in the Holy of Holies. Come on, somebody. They offered lambs unto God in those burnt sacrifices. He tells you. If you read Exodus chapter 28 through 30, you'll get more detail on the duties of the priesthood, okay? Uh, they offered lambs. Aaron was the first high priest to ever offer lambs to God. Caiaphas was the last high priest that offered a lamb to God. And that lamb was Jesus Christ himself. I get excited. Because it is amazing to me, what, when I get ready to preach or teach you a message, it is amazing what gets come floating into my mailbox. And I open my mail up and I start reading. I get chills all over my body. Aaron offered lambs to God. Caiaphas after offered the, the last lamb of God unto God. But I got this article in the mail. It is entitled, Behold the Lamb. And let me read the first part. Although Israel has not yet built a temple on the Temple Mount, reportedly a lamb was killed on Passover near the ancient site. This is exciting news that could herald the soon return of Israel's Messiah. And he is quoting uh, prophecy in the news, May 1998, page 20. A lamb was killed on Passover. Gershon Solomon, director of Temple Mount and the Land of Israel Faithful Movement, announced that his group had petitioned the Israeli government for permission to slaughter a Passover lamb on the Temple Mount. Solomon said, Rabbi, and it gives his name, T-U-K-O-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y, <laughs> wrote early in this century. Now listen to this that the Messiah will come immediately following the first sacrifice on the Temple Mount. You tell me God's not trying to wake us up. You tell me Jesus is not soon to come. Somebody say amen. And he goes on, he says, they went to a nearby hill, and it gives the name there, uh, they performed the ritual last year, the Bible, they, this article says. On the 10th of April, the Temple Mount and the Land of Israel faithful move it to, together with the, and it gives an organization, intend to hold a Passover sacrifice on the Temple Mount. This will be done on the altar which is already ready. Our tra- tradition teaches us that once the sacrifice is reintroduced, the redemption of Israel will be accomplished. The third temple will be built, and it gives the Hebrew name for the Lord Jesus. He will come. 
And they've already offered one south of the temple site already. They've done it. That's what it says right here. And they're getting ready to offer it, even if it's not with the temple built. They're getting ready to build, do, try to do it on the temple mount. Come on, church. Aaron, Aaron offered lambs to God. Caiaphas offered the last lamb of God. And these priests, these, these men right here are saying that when the lamb is offered, that is a sign that Messiah is soon to return. We're living in the last days, church. We're living in the exciting times. These men offered lambs unto God. Oh, I just have so much fun living for God. He always, got to, he always has a surprise for me. And you know, he knows just right when I need it too. When the enemy's coming in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. He'll send me something in the mail. He'll give me a word of encouragement. I'll hear a testimony and God just restores me and gives me a victory. But he knows exactly what I need, when I need it, at just the right time. And when I read that, oh, the Spirit got revived again. My, my, my. Oh, I got a long ways to go. God is awesome, isn't he? Mm. Praise the Lord. Another thing that they did was they, <clears throat> they blessed the people. Turn to number six with me, please, real quick. Number six in verse 23. The high priest blessed the people. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. Somebody say he blessed the people. <clears throat> If you were a part of Israel and you wanted to be blessed, you know what you did? You went to the morning sacrifice. And when you got there in the morning sacrifice, after it was offered, the priest pronounced a blessing on you. All you had to do was show up. <laughs> and if you just showed up, you got blessed. Because blessing wasn't just a word. There was the power of God behind it. And when he blessed these people, we're going to read it in a little bit, he invoked the name of God on them. Okay. How did he invoke the name of God upon them? By declaring his character. When I declare the character of God to this congregation, it is invoking his, prayer, his power. I've already told you about the Word of God and the presence of God is in His Word. And when you bless somebody and you invoke His character, you speak His character, you are placing a blessing upon the people. The congregation of God are blessed because we are a priesthood unto God. So the first thing, you know, He blessed them, the morning sacrifice. Oh, I'm having fun. I enjoy preaching when I'm having fun. Bible says this, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, unto his sons, saying unto his sons, saying on this wise, Ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. Goodness. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. Hallelujah. God, be a shield to your people. Bless them and keep them. Protect them. The enemy is out to destroy them. Come on, somebody. We need to pray for new converts that are coming in this church. Because the enemy is out to destroy them. We need to pray for them that God will bless them and keep them. Are you here? Be a shield around them. How, do, how many of y'all know God is a shield to us? He's my shield and he's my buckler. He is my exceedingly great reward. Be a shield to us, God. The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen, amen. Somebody say amen. We need a shield. 
I don't know about you, but I've been walking uh, on, on uh, tabernacle sand. I've been walking in the earth, and we need a shield. Come on. They walked barefooted on desert sand, reminding them they were still in the earth. We're still in the earth. We've got an anointing. We've got God. We've got salvation. We've got, we're a priesthood under God, but we're still walking in this earth. We need God to bless us and to keep us if we're going to make it. My, my. He said this right here. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and give you his, what? No, no. Man, be gracious unto thee. I knew that was wrong. <laughs> the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Are you here? You know what he's literally saying? Is that you may know the Lord. When it says, Lord, make your face to shine upon your people, it's saying, God, open your face. <laughs> have an open face before your people and that your people have an open face before you so that they may know you, God. Yeah. How many of y'all want to know the Lord? I don't want religion. I want to know Him. And be gracious unto you. God, show your grace to your people. Reveal your grace to your people. They don't know your grace. They don't know how gracious you are. They don't understand that, God. Show it to us. Are you here? Say amen. amen. Be gracious unto them. All right, let me read again. <clears throat> the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. Lift up his countenance. You know what? If I, if I look down on you, if I, if I frown on you, my countenance is down. Are you here? If I lift up my face and I smile at you, I'm lifting my countenance up. I'm praying God to lift up some of yours. <laughs> Amen? But brother, I'm going through a battle, and I'm not. <laughs> and I'm not, okay. Have it your way then. God, he said, God, smile upon your people. Lift up your countenance and smile. If I look up and I know God is smiling at me, I'm going to smile. Yeah. Or, and I also know that he's saying, hey, that is mine. <clears throat> Let me find him. In the crowd, there's some priest here. Let me find him. God, lift up your countenance. Find that one, that priest, that person that's yours, that's your own. Identify them. Say, there, there they are. That's mine. They're mine. See, God doesn't look at us as trees. We look at each other as trees. You look at me as a tree. You don't know that I have feelings. You don't know anything. You with me? You look at me as a, as a tree. You get your eyes open again. See, I'm more than a tree. I'm a human being. Are you here? You need to look at your fellow brother and sister in the Lord and say, they're more than trees. They're human beings. They got feelings. They got emotions. They hurt. They have pain. God opened the blind man's eyes. He said, well, I see men. They look like trees. He said, okay, let me open them again so you can see them as men. Are you here? <clears throat> see, in the church, we have, this, we have this problem because we look at everybody just, just as a, an entity or a tree of some kind. But when I heard the testimonies of these ladies and their teachings yesterday, I broke down and cried. Because I, what you say from your heart expresses what you are as a person. And I begin to see that 
hey, I see more of you as a person. Oh, goodness. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, God don't look at me as a tree. He looks at me as a person, an individual. Amen? He said, Let his, lift up his countenance upon thee, give thee peace. <laughs> yeah, more, that's more than just an absence of trouble. It means peace, financial prosper, uh, blessing, uh, provision, uh, strength, whatever you need. Say shalom. Shalom, the peace of God. It's more the tranquility of spirit. It's overall health and provision and blessing and strength and an abundant life and all those things that God wants to do for you. Well, I don't have to preach tonight, so I can preach three hours this morning. And they shall put my, listen, hey, yeah, yeah, they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them because when they speak a blessing I'm there to bless them they are invoking the name of God over them when they are speaking of his character you see that because when you said a name, you were talking about what that person was. And when you say Jesus, he's Jehovah's Savior. He's God, our Savior. Yeah. Glory to God. All right, let's go, let's go quickly. I got to get, get on the road here. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. Sprinkle the blood in the holy place. When they were a part of the, the offerings, they sprinkle the blood in the holy place. Then they take those, those offerings that you would bring to God. And you could not lift up this offering to God by yourself. You had to have a priest come up and lift up that offering with you as a wave offering or a heave offering. They had to put their hands under your hands. Christ enables us to worship Him by what He's done. And when the priest, listen to me. Come here, Brother Obed. I've showed God this before. Lift up your hand. Brother Mark, come here, please. Yeah, just so they can see you, okay? Okay, grab, make a bridge, make a, make a canopy. Yeah, like that right there. The priest lifted up the hands of the offerer. They would wave it before the Lord. Ooh, yeah. Declaring his loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. The bosom. The bosom from his kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. Then the shoulder, they lift the shoulder up and say his government is in heaven and in earth. His dominion is not just in heaven, but it's on earth. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. And the whole time that the priest is doing this with that offerer, he's saying, worship the Lord. Thank you, that's it. So that the priest's duty was to prompt the people to worship God. 
So he would say and prompt them while they're doing this to worship the Lord. Praise the Lord. Magnify him. Lift him up. Declare his loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. That his kingdom is a heavenly and an earthly dominion. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. So the priest's duty is to look to somebody and say, worship God with me, would you please? Would you praise the Lord with me, would you please? Would you declare his loving kindness? Would you declare that he rules and he reigns? You're an awesome God, Lord. Praise God. Another duty they did, they sounded the trumpets. They sounded the trumpets. <laughs> now, how many of y'all know that they had a visual, something they could look at, a cloud by day and a fire by night, something visual. And what did it do? It led them. As many are, listen to me. Romans 8 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It's not just being born of the Spirit, it's being led by the Spirit. They that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Not just those that had a born-again experience in the past, but those that are led by the Spirit. They, they, they. Are we led by the Spirit? Do we have a saving faith today? So they had a visual sign, but they had an audible sign to lead them. It was trumpets. And the priests walked up on special occasions and festivals, and they sounded the trumpets. Because it's God's voice. It's the Lord himself trumpeting. Are you here? It is to gather them in the holy convocation of celebration in the festivals. And you know what the priest would do? He sounded those trumpets. He said, come on up to the festivals. We're going to study them in Leviticus 23 and 24. He said, come up on to the feast and the festivals. So they'd sound the trumpets, and one would be one sound, and they'd start their journey. Are you here? They'd start gathering stuff up, getting ready for the journey. Then another one sound, they'd start journeying. The last trump would sound, they would journey. Are you here? I'm not, I'm not going to get into that right now. I'm going to wait till I get to the feast. I'm going to explain to you the rapture. But look, they sounded the trumpets. You know what they told the people? Come on up to the festivals. We're not wacko people, you know? I mean, we haven't lost our mind because when we come to church, we... <laughs> and we run around to church and we do this and we jump, we dance. We're not wacko. That's what it's supposed to be. You know how I know? Because the word festival means they're a holy conversation, convocation of celebration so that when you get to Israel when you get there blow the trumpet, sound the trumpet they would literally walk in there and start celebrating by jumping and leaping and spinning around see God wants to sound the trumpet in this church he wants you to come to the house of God and celebrate. He wants you to jump and leap and shout and sing and spin around. And I, and I know you're tired right now, but you can rest this afternoon. But right now, I'm offering you the rest of God. And if you'll just come in here and somehow you can give yourself to God. Somehow you can just press through all the stuff. Somehow you can worship God. Somehow you can dance. Somehow you can sing. Somehow you can spin around. 
somehow, if you could just do that. And I know you're fighting battles, and I know it's hard, but if you could just do that. God is sounding a trumpet in Zion. Come on, my people, celebrate. Goodness. They were also doctors. They were the doctors of Israel. They declared unclean and that, uh, things unclean and things clean. They would inspect lepers, say unclean, out of the camp. They would go to the houses and see leprosy in the houses, unclean. Are you here? So that they, they were doctors of Israel. And they would tell them the rituals to go through. Are you here? To become clean again. If God healed you of leprosy, you've got to go through a ritual, a ceremony to be recognized as clean by the priest. That's why Jesus said, go to the priest and show to the leper that you are clean. So he can declare upon you so that he can inspect you and say, yes, he can say you can come back into the camp. Because it doesn't matter if you have been made whole and you're clean. If the high priest don't declare you clean, you can't go back into the camp. You must have his declaration that you are clean. Are you here? So that the word of God, when you come to the house of God, he declares unclean, clean, clean, unclean. If you want to come into the presence of God, yeah, got to get clean, right? Man. Well, are you enjoying yourself? Thank you, Jesus. You want, you want some scriptures? Do it at Numbers 6, 22, 13, 14, 15, or 5, 15. Numbers 6, 22. Numbers 13, 14. Numbers 5, 14. <clears throat> they instructed. Number, uh, next thing they did. They instructed in the law. That means that they went around and gave people understanding. They walked in the linen, the righteousness of God. They walked as a holy people before God. They were separated. And people might have looked at him and said, they, they look weird. They look strange running around in little white clothes like that. But I'm here to tell you, God told them how to dress. God told them how to live. They were a holy people. They might have looked funny running around barefooted out on the desert sand. But God said, you're standing on holy ground. So take your shoes off of your feet. He told that to Moses. He told that to Joshua. He said, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. You're a priests of God, you should walk barefooted before the Lord. Now, don't take that literally right now. Please don't. Thank God we don't have a fireplace. We might have a mass explosion here. You start taking your shoes off. But yeah, I mean, sure, everybody looked at it. They, look, they should look a little funny with the little, uh, little hats on. I'll get to that in a minute. Say amen. Now, what was I preaching on? Oh, they instructed in the law. <clears throat> so they were walking around as representatives of God, as priests of God. And they walked in the law. They gave understanding in the law to the people. They made sure that the law was kept. And not only did they make sure that the law was kept, but they made sure that the people memorized the scriptures. Did you memorize your verse? Did you re memorize Deuteronomy 6, 4? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Have you memorized that verse of Scripture today? The priest would ask them. And if they said no, he'd say, go home and memorize. <laughs> Keep the law. And he gave understanding. And then he instructed the troops. Are you here? Deuteronomy 20. Go over there with me real quick. Deuteronomy 20. 
Yeah, oh yeah, thank you, Jesus. Deuteronomy 20, in verse 2. <clears throat> you there? Thank you. That'll get real, real fast at this. Deuteronomy 20, verse 2. Okay. <clears throat> you ready? You ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you a priest? Are you ready? We got to get that in our minds. When thou goest out to battle, verse 1, against thine enemies, and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them. For the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. So they went before the people to the troops. They said, troops, let me tell you something. I'm going to instruct you today. I am the priest of God. And here's what your responsibility is. Be not afraid. So I'm telling us this morning, we need to stop being afraid. Be not afraid. That is your responsibility. Don't be afraid. Oh, brother, but you know, this is happening in my life, and I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know what the future holds. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. You start feeling fear getting a hold of you? Oh, no. And it shall be when you are come nigh to the battle that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, you approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not and do not tremble. Neither be you terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Listen, man. We got people that are more devil conscious than they are God conscious. I mean, there's a devil sitting behind, beside them in the pew. There's a devil. Oh, I hope not in the pulpit. Devil sitting on the platform. Devil, devil everywhere. Devil behind every door. Devil under every, every car and on top of every car and in every car and around every corner. Devil's everywhere. Get devil consciousness out of you. God has made you a victorious person. Fear not. God has given us the victory over every devil. They don't have power over us. God has given us power to turn upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Be not afraid. Don't let the devil intimidate you. Be not afraid. The Lord's going to go before you. The Lord's going to fight your battles for you. Be afraid see I know what I'm telling you is the truth I could try to muster up strength to face my difficulties and to face my trials and it just doesn't seem to be accomplished but if I can just get anointed by the Spirit of God a boldness rises up in me and a strength rises up in me and I believe that every devil is defeated in my life because God is the one who has come and fought my battles for me And he says this, 
Verse 5, and the officer shall speak unto the people, saying, What man is there that hath built a new house, and hath not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle. And another man dedicated Hey, He said, Hey, you know what? You're not really needed anyway. God's going to fight the battle. He just needs a token of people, that's all. He's not going to defeat by numbers. If he can get one person or two person committed, dedicated, and, and believe him, that's all he needs. Jonathan said, the Lord is not restrained to save by few or by many. I can go up and I can fight those Philistines with me and just my uh, bodyguard, my armor bearer. Come on, just us two. And the Bible said they went up and God brought a great miracle, a great victory in Israel that day by two men. It doesn't take a majority. It only takes a few people that believe God will work. He's not restrained to say by few or by many. It doesn't matter if there's 200 in the church or two in the church. God can work a great miracle. Do you understand, though, that it is giving yourself to that? It is giving yourself to the promises that God fights your battles. It is entering into what God has done. If you don't enter into it and you don't give yourself to it, you won't experience it. That is the key to Christian living. So if you built a new house, go enjoy. God don't need you anyway. You keep reading. If you planted a vineyard, you hadn't had a chance to drink the grape juice, go drink it. It'd be a sad thing to plant a vineyard and then die in the battlefield. And leave the grape juice to somebody else. God said, hey, I don't need you anyway. Go home. Are you here? He said, if you're newly married, newlyweds, he said, be a shame for a man to go out and fight a battle when God's fighting the battle anyway. He just, there's a token, he'd get killed in the battle. So it'd be a shame for that man to die. Being a newlywed, say, so go home and enjoy your wife. <laughs> You're not needed anyway. You're just a token. God's going to fight your battle. Your battle. So that he's instructing them in the, in, in the, he's instructing the troops in war. And he's saying, your responsibility is no, don't be afraid. So I'm declaring to you today that God has given us the victory. I'm declaring to you today, don't be afraid. That's your responsibility. And I'm declaring unto you today that if you will just enter into what God has already done, you will have your victory. That is the whole thing about worship. That is the whole thing. is giving yourself to God so that that victory that is already there will be manifest in your own life. Yeah, that's you're giving yourself to God. Oh, that's the key. So that they're walking around in these linen, little, little, little linen pants, Bermuda shoes. <laughs> Down to the knee, but then they got a coat on top of it. And this little girl in this little white hat. They're walking around in linen because it's the righteousness of God and they are holy. And it's cool. God said, don't put on anything that'll make you sweat. You know why he's doing that? I know this. He's saying, because you need to rest in my righteousness and what I've done for you. You need to enter into what I have done for you. And you need to be cool, man. Don't sweat it. That don't mean I can't preach like, you know, and break a sweat when I'm preaching. That's not what it's talking about. 
It's a spiritual principle. I sweat without even trying. So what he's saying is be cool. Don't sweat it. Rest in me. Rest in my work. <laughs> Enter into that. Give yourself to that. It's yours. We just, as a Christian, we got to learn how to do that. That's it. That's it. Once you learn how to do that, nothing can ever beat you. Never. You're looking for answers, I'm telling you. Don't sweat it. Be cool. Rest in Him. Worship Him. Enter into what God has done. Don't fear. Don't be faint-hearted. If you, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just a token. You're just a token anyway. God needs a, needs a human being out there, you know. He needs a human. That's all he He just needs a human. Somebody out there to represent Him. That's it. He'll take care of it. Ah, yeah, I love it. If he can just find one man or one woman and say, okay, here I am, Lord, send me. That's all he needs. He can turn the world upside down. Not because you or I or anything, it's because we've given ourselves to God. And we're not walking in fear. Yeah! Listen to me. Everybody here has a little bitty funny feeling on the inside when they're, they're going to stand up or do something for God, you know. I'm afraid, you know. Here's the key. Don't let your fear stop you. Paul said, I come before you with much fear and trembling. But he didn't let the fear stop him. God wants you to go do something. Say, oh, I feel it. Oh, I'm a little, I got butterflies. I'm all nervous. <laughs> but I'm not going to let it stop me. Yeah! I don't know if I can do that, preacher. Oh, I have a little bit of fright. Don't let it stop you. Come on, somebody. God's looking for some champions. <sighs> just say, just a token. Oh, man, I feel so good. You, you know, I tell you what, God is so awesome that when you feel so bad, when you feel so good, you thank God because you know what feeling bad is all about. You know what? When you, when you really feel good, you say, God, you're showing me something. Those are, people that are going to enjoy heaven the most are people <laughs> that got delivered from a lot down here. I'm telling you. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yes. Strike to the troops. Okay, I got to go quickly. How am I doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll be all right. <laughs> so the garments, he said, go and take it, put garments on them and on with all of verse 13. He says, put these garments. I'm going to tell you what they are. I don't have time. You read it later. I've already told you a hundred times, but it's linen breeches down to about the knee, then a linen coat all the way down to the bottom, uh, barefooted, no shoes, gar a girdle of scarlet, blue and purple around the middle section here, and a little hat on the top. And it's solid, all linen, solid linen. Say solid linen. Are you here? Goodness, man. I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this. So that the long pants, the pants, the... The coat is a holy walk, as we said, right? Barefoot, you're standing on holy ground. Amen? Clothed in pure linen, you have the righteousness of Christ imputed to you. Listen to me. This high priest had the garments of the other priest underneath his other beautiful garments. So that the high priest had more garments than the regular priest did. See, the garments is underneath. So that Jesus Christ is my high priest, therefore he has given me my righteousness. Came from him. 
but then I live it out experientially in this earth, okay? I work out my salvation. I live out what I have. I show my, that I do have it by my faithfulness, my consecration, on and on, okay? Obedience, etc. Amen? But I want to get to the hat because I really like the hat. <laughs> I love the hat. I just, I really do. Little hat wound is called a bonnet in the Word of God. Little hat round, wound round. In fact, if you study, you'll find out that the more wraps you had around the top of your head, the more scripture you had memorized. So that if, if you saw somebody with a big old hat on, man, you say, boy, that, that dude knows some scripture. <laughs> uh, I love to talk to him. <laughs> no, I don't want the, the peon. I want to talk to the man, you know. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> this little bonnet, man. Sitting on top of his head. Y'all got to stay for this. The word means to be exalted. So that when they walked around on the earth, they were exalted once. They were exalted by God. Paul put it this way in Ephesians. He said, we are seated together in high places in Christ Jesus. So that we are the exalted ones because we are his priests. We're walking around as the exalted ones. But it not only represents exaltation, it represents subjection. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of you ladies heard about 1 Corinthians 11. Are you here? The men short hair, subjection unto God. The women long hair, subjection unto God. That's their covering. That's their hat. Yeah. Are you here? So that when you subject yourself to God and you wear his covering, you are exalted. And the people in the world might try to make fun of you because of it. But it's showing, it showed that these men were subject to God. And because they were subject to God, they were highly exalted. And if you want to be blessed, you want to be exalted, and you want to be used by God, then subject yourself the way that He wants you to subject yourself. I'm not through. Let's say it was white. White. What does white represent in the Word of God? Not only does righteousness, but it represents wisdom. <clears throat> Read Proverbs 6.31 and Proverbs 20.29 20, sometime. Are you here? That the gray hair is beautiful, wonderful, exciting. I want some more. I look too young. I want to be full of gray hair, man. Are you... <laughs> You think I'm kidding? I'm not. Are you here? It's a sign of wisdom. I mean, look over there in English, the English courts. An attorney is given oh, a short white wig. Why? He's an attorney of law. He understands law. If, you, if he gets, you know, if he goes on up the ladder and he becomes a judge, they give him a long one that, uh, a wig that hits the shoulder, solid white. Showing everybody, these are the wisdom of our nation. These are the ones that have knowledge. Yeah, come on somebody. So that not only is Jesus Christ my righteousness, 
but Jesus Christ has become my wisdom. And there's nobody like the people of God who walk in the laws of God and have understanding of the laws of God and obey those laws. There's nobody like a person who understands why men are like they are because of the fall. And there's nobody wiser than the people of God because they understand where we came from, where we're going to, and what Jesus Christ has done. There's nobody wiser than God's people. He is our wisdom. Revelation chapter 1, the Bible says, you see him standing in the book of Revelation. He is standing there, the Bible says. His hair is white as wool. He is the ancient of days. He is the omniscient one. He knows all things so that we have identified ourselves with him. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, somebody. We've got a reason for what we do. It's in the Word of God. I can find it all the way back in the Old Testament, ladies. Now, now, now. Don't get offended. Say amen. Well, God, if you read the Word of God, the Bible says that they were to be anointed with blood on the right thumb, right ear, and the right big toe. Blood had to be applied. This is the consecration. But first, they had to be washed. What verse is it? Verse 6. Take them to the tabernacle, right in front of the tabernacle, and wash them from head to toe. That's the washing of regeneration. That's water baptism in His name. And then later on, they'll go to the labor and wash the hands and the feet that need to be washed. But first...